Sorry, man. Um, oh, I know. Here, I know. That's home life. That's. Oh, dude, my son's in a sling. I got my dogs barking. Give me one sec. Do your thing, please, dude. What's up, everybody from the Sky's the Limit community and beyond? We have got another Sky's the Limit podcast for you. Very excited about this one. This is a special one because we have the original director of the Sky's of Sky's the Limit from 2003, Nick Savarese. So it's great to be sharing this one with the world. Mr. Nick Savarese is coming to us from the East Coast in Boston. He is now the director of the Doug Flutie Jr. Autism Foundation. Uh, he has an awesome story of a life lived in service to people with special needs. And then he takes us uh, through a few stories from the Sky's the Limit past. Uh, quite entertaining. And uh, along with some other anecdotes and advice for how best to live a life in service to our special needs population. We talk about the fun, the joys, the challenges of our work, the perspective and values we need in this world. So listen in, check it out. Here we go. Kind of get started here. What what was the first thing that drew you towards working with people with special needs? Sure, so. Or before that even. Yeah, no, it was Boulder. So I had moved to Colorado. Uh, I had gone to University of Massachusetts for two years and uh, kind of didn't know what I wanted to study, that sort of thing. So uh, March of what would have been my junior year, my brother had moved out to Colorado. So I decided I'd go out there um, and, you know, try to explore something new. And my plan, my initial plan was to stay there just for the summer from like March to the end of the summer and then go back to UMass. And um, so I went out there, got a job, got a couple different odd jobs, cooking in restaurants, that sort of thing. And uh, just decided I needed to kind of find something to, you know, get me hooked onto some, I don't know, a career path or, you know, something that, that um, kind of worked. So I decided to do some volunteer work. So I did two things. I, I volunteered at a local daycare um, in Boulder and then volunteered with Special Olympics Unified Sports, Sherry Brown, Boulder yeah, Valley Parks and Recreation. She just retired, they, by the way, this last year. Did you hear about that? I yeah, because I, well, I was talking to her when I was reaching back out. Yeah, she, oh, was, that's right. she yeah. just retired. And so, well, they had a, they had a um, snowshoeing, unified inclusive snowshoeing program at the time. Yeah. We would go up into the mountains and, you know, you put those moccasin things on your feet and yeah, yeah. hike all around. <laughs> anyway, so I did that. I volunteered for that. It was awesome. I ended up uh, parlaying that volunteer experience into um, a job as a special education paraeducator, which is like a teacher's aide. Yeah, I was a para for a couple of years myself. Yeah, there you go. Southern Hills Middle School in Boulder. Nice, yep. yep. So I was at Southern Hills uh, for about a year and a half, and that's where I met Skyler, as well as, you know, a number of other kids who were kind okay. of the original Sky's the Limit crew. Gotcha. And uh, then worked as a para at Fairview High School. So when Skyler graduated eighth grade, he went up to Fairview High School. And so then I went kind of went there with him. Oh, this is okay. yeah. yeah. And so nice. I was there. So that was, oh gosh, that was the year 0102. Skyler passed away, I think, like the summer of 02, if I'm not mistaken. And I stayed at Fairview for another um, year as a para. Um, anyways, that's kind of that, then it all kind of went from there. Basically Man. that kind of parlayed. I, I, I ended up, I was in school. I re-enrolled at, I never went back to UMass. Obviously I stayed in Boulder, enrolled at uh, Metropolitan State University of Denver. 
um, after about at Front Range Community College as well. And um, so they were, I was originally in, in school to be a, uh, a special ed teacher because I was okay, kind of yeah. on track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But concurrently, I had started up Sky's the Limit and Metro State has like a nonprofit management program. So I ended up going through that. Uh, uh, all right, I got you. You kind of so, got interested in maybe, uh, just maybe being outside of the classroom kind of circumstances. A little bit. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so that's kind of, that's the quick origin, uh, personally at least. And so ever since then, I've been in this field, so to speak. Yeah. Well then, and well, where'd you go from Boulder and how'd you get to the Flutie Foundation? So, um, ended up, you know, so good question. So what happened? So we did Sky's the Limit for a period of time and all the while where we were doing Sky's the Limit, obviously I had other jobs too and I was finishing college at Metro State. And so my other jobs were also in the field of disability. I worked um, in, in employment for people with disabilities uh, you know, job, going out and trying to find jobs and that sort of yeah. thing at, um, at this place, which was previously called Employment Link out in Gun Barrel, but I don't know what it's called anymore. Anyways, long story, it's kind of long. Ended up, uh, me and my now wife, we met out there in, in Boulder. She graduated CU. We kind of just wanted to, I grew up here in Boston area. And yeah, um, I can hear that we kind of wanted drop in a couple times. It can, I can tell it may be a little natural too. <laughs> a little bit sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I don't have it as bad as some of my friends out here. But um, no, sure. uh, so anyways, when we moved back here, we, we decided we wanted to come back to the East Coast. And uh, I looked up at the time Special Olympics. And so I got a job at Special Olympics Massachusetts. I was there for like 11 years, I think. Oh, wow. And then, then the Flutie Foundation position opened up about, uh, I guess, coming up about three years ago now, because this is when the uh, the interviews started. So uh, yeah, that position opened up, and I had, I had known Flutie Foundation, their headquartered here in Boston too. So we had done, I had known of them, uh, done some work with them, and uh, yeah, the executive director role opened up about three years ago, and interviewed, was lucky enough to be hired. So uh, that's you know, fast forward three years, here we are. Yeah, nice man. Um, well, so in in all the work of from either advocacy to, you know, just actualization of things or whatever it is, what have you found to be kind of the, the area of most need and the area of most like impact? Well, I mean, that's it's a big question, right? I think there's so more important than than. Well, there's so much need across everything, right? Is yeah, there advocacy? There's advocacy, there's so much need around advocacy. There's even need around like research. So I work in the, you know, the Flutie Foundation is kind of specific to the autism field. So there's a lot of great work being done in research and that's important. But where our focus at Flutie Foundation is more like direct financial support today for families in need and that sort of thing. So really impacting today. So there's needs across the spectrum. I think the important thing is as an organization to know your lane and to pick a lane and to be good at it, right? So don't spread yeah. yourself kind of too thin, you know? Um, and so at the lane we've chosen at Flutie Foundation is sort of, yes, we understand there's advocacy needs and like we support them and we do a little bit of government legislation advocacy, but not a ton. Um, yes, there's needs in research, but our real kind of core focus is like helping people and families in need today. So getting them the services they need, the support they need, the funding they need, that sort of thing. But again, I mean, there's so many needs across the spectrum. Yeah. Not, not, sorry, you know, go ahead. 
<laughs> well, the spectrum in in uh, more than one way, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, no, I, I completely agree. Um, there was a few years ago where I was out at a bowling group. I just got them a bunch of bowling uniforms, and I was kind of feeling. I was like, man, it feels like you know, I've got you know, we're kind of building some community. I'm sponsoring a couple of like uh, activities here and like social outings, like uh, getting people motivated. But I'm just like, man, there's housing needs, man. There's like health needs, man. There's transportation needs. You know, you just think about all these different needs, uh, transition needs from high school into the real world or whatever, or whatever kind of educational need that might be. Cause there's, there's only, there's, there's a few and far between of like success stories of, of people with autism, as like Down syndrome, whatever, like going into college, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and so there's just countless amounts of needs and areas. And I like that you said, you got to pick a lane and kind of stick to it. Um, Cause very recently I was kind of encouraged to kind of maybe like steer another direction and kind of widen that lane. I was like, I don't know. I kind of want to, I kind of want to see if I can lift off with this story sharing platform. Um, Cause I think that ultimately whatever you do, your kind of work, my kind of work now, um, if it's community building, if it's job work or whatever, that all leads to advocacy ultimately that like if you if you kind of pick one path and, and you stay strong with that it will impact somebody else along the way yeah um, in, in a greater sense of it i think no absolutely and yeah everything ultimately rolls up into advocacy right so it's like even sharing stories of self-advocates who are uh accomplishing goals or sharing their struggles that's a, a, certainly a form of advocacy in and of itself you know um so Although back in the day, sky's the limit. That was pure like social recreation, like when we started, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which again, uh, that was our lane back in the time. Let's go out, let's, like Yuki were saying, let's um, let's go bowl and let's play some hoops. Let's have some fun. Let's go white water rap, whatever it was, you know, that was kind of the impetus back then. If you care to go down memory lane, um, oh, that's because well, that's what that's what Skyler that was what uh, Skyler's um, love of life was was just just being out and doing things and and getting joys from connection uh, to yeah. people and 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 that's that's the whole purpose of it all and um, I think uh, I'm going to absolutely continue that I think that the transition is just with this the pandemic how can we kind of serve some people everyone's away. Um, and and yeah uh, for three years uh you know we just we we're we're rocking doing basketball games and doing bowling and i'm just seeing what else i can kind of just add to yeah. that right now you know yeah yeah no it's good man it's good but yeah um well so then what do you think um gosh i don't know the future of of so I guess one thing that I, I think about too is um, when we talk about kind of advocacy, we talk about um, picking our lanes, we talk about uh, just getting out there and having fun. Um, I also think about like language too is one piece of that that is, you know, that can kind of fit into any category. You don't have to like be somebody who's um, who's focused on like one thing or another, but you can always still continue to change narrative and, and change language. Um, uh, and, and I like how kind of both of our, both our program, well, I keep saying our program, but it's like your 
past program that I'm just kind of keeping. No, 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 man. It's all good. It's our shared. It's all good, man. None of, there's no ownership of a mission, you know, it's a shared mission. So no worries there at all. It's all good. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I just want you to speak to like language and um, how that influences and changes people's lives with special needs, you know, um, any opinion on that at all? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. I guess a couple of things. First of all, is there's a lot of unique languages out there that people with special needs have to. Um, uh, not everyone has the same language, first of all, right? Uh, yeah. There's people in this world who are nonverbal, um, who might communicate in different ways. Like, for example, going all the way back to Skylar, right? Like, Skylar was nonverbal. He used um, a couple different things. One of his big things was like, smile if. So it's like, smile if you're hungry you know like that was like you know he had a lot of challenges just expressing basic needs you know so it's like you could smile okay cool you're hungry um you know he was also working on some different things like we had this little thing um, he had a you know the headrest of his wheelchair wrapped all the way up around his head like to his temple so that he could like tilt his head to the side and tap it if he needed you know it's like a yes or a no or a like you want this or that, like that sort of thing. So um, that's just one example of many, many, many people who might not have the same exact language that yeah, you and I, I think, have. I know, and and um, it's it's hard for I think my my other point of asking a language is like people who don't have that connection to someone with special needs and, and speaks it communicates in a different way um, sees thinks in a disabled, abled frame of mind. Um, yeah. And so I think I was thinking about language to describe people with, with special needs or something like this, um, or uh, thinking like yeah. person first language and thinking uh, ab abilities as opposed to like disabilities and like- uh, Yeah, pushing away no, I was always schooled. Yeah. yeah, I was always schooled person first, right? So I've always been someone who, you know, when we refer to you know, somebody who has a disability, it's, you know, a person with a disability, you know, and somebody, you know, Joe is a person who has Down syndrome or whatever it is. Um, so I was always schooled in that person first language. You know, it's like, you don't let the disability define you. You don't say like, oh, that's a Downs kid, right? Like someone who has Down syndrome. It's like, no, it's a person who happens to have Down syndrome. Just like, you don't say, like someone who's wearing glasses, like, oh, they're a glasses person. It's like, no, it's a person who wears glasses, you know? So it's like, obviously person first, you know? Um, I will say though, in the autism world, there's a movement, particularly amongst like a lot of self-advocates who are like, don't go to person first. They're like, no, I'm autistic and that's yeah, a part of who I am, you know? Identity, yep. Yeah, and so uh, again, I'm I'm a hard, like, I, I was always schooled in person first. So like, if you look at the language that comes out of Fluidity Foundation, like we're still on the person first kick. Um, which again, there's just different, you know, ways that people look at things. And so, but yeah, there is a movement within the autism community. To, so I'll always say like a person with autism, that so-and-so is a person who has autism or whatever. If I'm typing something out, it's like, yeah, we serve people who have autism or whatever, but there's a movement within the autistic community of like, no, I'm autistic. So it's like, we serve autistic people would be the way you would look at that. But I, I haven't come around on that quite yet. I'm still a person. Yeah, person like I know. I know. I hear that. I, I... I try to figure out what is what is best. I think what it comes down to is kind of a general mindfulness of, of whatever somebody specifically requests to right. address as that's what you kind of go with. I guess part of the reason too, I bring up, I'm, uh, I've kind of gone through like a series of podcasts on this book called um, 
Oh, it's oh, a word for you right here. It's called the power yeah. of neurodiversity. And um, uh, this uh, author, uh, so he, what he does is, is takes like, for example, dyslexia uh, or, or autism for that matter, uh, any of these um, disability labels and tries to just redefine them. Like, look, a person with dyslexia, even though biologically, like they kind of you know, mix words up in their brain, what they're doing is actually processing it from one region of the brain. It kind of shoots through the right hemisphere, goes through the Broca's area, which is this part of speech, and then finally to sense meaning in the prefrontal cortex, whatever. And, and so what he found was all these people with dyslexia have these very abstract visual spatial minds. And so he's trying to say, like, can we get away from identifying disabilities all the time and just identify strengths, strength-based language, um, and sort of just keep shifting like a narrative and shifting ultimately like a perspective on, on people with special needs um, so that uh, we're starting to empower uh, people. Um, and, I, and I've been, I've been, I really love it. And I have a few little talks on it um, if you care to listen, but uh, I've kind of been, I've been kind of enjoying like still saying like people with special needs to kind of cover all the, all the bases um, because that just implies like, so one thing this guy talks about is like niche construction. Anybody who's anybody uh, needs to develop an environment that is successful for themselves, um, just to adapt and to live and thrive in whatever way that might be, you know, and, um, no matter what level on the spectrum or, or a uh, typical brain you are. Um, and I think with special needs, it identifies you have some extra unique needs to kind of construct your reality, to construct your environment. Um, and I just kind of like, I kind of like that, that implies, uh, that you're approaching people um, compassionately and and not in a weakness deficit kind of way. It's just yeah. walk up the ramp instead of the stairs, you know? Yeah. Um, no, I hear that. And, you know, it's, it's just like the world is set up for like the 90%, right? It's like, you know, it's even like you go back in the day, remember, I don't know if in elementary school you had those like desks that like the, the armrest was always on the right side because... <laughs> 90% of people are righty. So if you're, you got this kid in class who's a lefty, he doesn't have the armrest on there. You know what I mean? But like that, le again, and that's not to, um, that's just a one quick example. But to your point, it's like um, someone with dyslexia is just thinking on a whole different plane. But uh, unfortunately, the reading and writing world isn't necessarily set up for her or him. And therefore, they're shunned from an early age. And, and you know, you put in this deficit place where if you can turn that lens around through which you view that person and through which you set up that person's world for her or him, uh, you can set that person up for, for incredible success, you know? Yeah. Um, have you found like, even though, you know, if you're, uh, you know, you're working with people with autism, maybe they're not going to be like a LeBron James on the basketball court, or they're not going to be uh, a Mozart on the piano necessarily or something like that. Or maybe something along that line, but have you found like what kind of strengths or, or incredible successes do you find in the autism community um, that you're yeah. stripping with, you know? Yeah, so uh, so back, so real quick, a couple things. One is uh, in the Denmark story. Yeah, there's a number of companies out there who have realized now that, um, you know, there are a certain segment of the autism, obviously the autism spectrum is wide and big, you know, right, that not everyone fits into one thing, but there's definitely plenty of companies, but Dell, 
has an autism hiring program. Oracle has an autism hiring program. Uh, Microsoft has an autism. There's a ton who have realized that uh, there are certain job-related uh, departments that people with, uh, you know, typically what you might call higher functioning people with autism or whatever can really fill those voids because of the things like you said, the level of focus, the level of detail, the level of uh, these people's ability not to be distracted by other things that are happening. And, and these companies aren't doing it out of charity. Like it's great that they're doing it, but they see a bottom line impact. They're like, look, these people with autism, uh, you know, they stay here longer you know, in terms of they're not jumping jobs every year, that sort of thing. Um, you know, there's something to be said for the level of focus that they can bring the attention to detail. So, you know, quantifiable, qualifiable metrics are being passed. And so, yeah, there's a lot of that out there. Um, so that's one thing. And yeah, I mean, in addition to that, we, we tend to look out for at Flutie Foundation, though, again, knowing your lane sort of thing, Doug Flutie Jr., uh, he's 28, 29 now, and he has some significant challenges. Right, so we, yeah. we tend to try to look out for uh, that um, segment of the autism community, for lack of a better term. But that's not to say, I mean, we, I know a kid who's a young man, actually, who's, he's an exceptional golfer. And uh, he actually, he actually credits his autism with giving them this level of focus that you or I, you know, like, don't have, if that makes sense, right? Yeah. And so... And he, so for example, I was out playing golf with him. His name's Tyler. He's a, he's a special Olympics superstar. And, um, but he, I was out there golfing with him and we were doing a TV thing. Like we had uh, the golf network was there to do a feature story. And the cameraman is literally, have you, you played golf before in your life, yeah, I assume? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So the cameraman's literally laying on the tee box right next to him with the camera, like an inch away from the ball, basically. And here I'm thinking like, if that were me, like, I'm like freaking out. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, yeah. I'm going to like shake it because this guy's super close. But Tyler's like, doesn't bother me. Like, I'm just focused on the ball. I'm just hitting it. You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, it, it, it didn't even matter to him. So, he actually credits sort of like his, like his autism with helping him in that sense where it's just like, A, he can focus and block everything out. There's clear rules to the game that he can follow. So, um, that's just one example of many. Uh, I, I know some, some musicians who are super talented. But also, like, again, you know, you don't want to get caught in the whole, like, oh, everyone with autism has this, like, special genius to them. Because many do, and it's great, and you need to find it, you need to harness it. But also, you just need to provide, you need to make sure that, you know, the, the kids and young adults with autism aren't shunned and put off in a corner. And they, they do have the ability, um, you do give them the options to explore, you know, what their talents could possibly be. Even... Even if it's just, you know, again, it's not this, it's not Mozart-like talent. It's not crazy stuff that's going to get them employed at Dell. It's not, you know, you're not going on the PGA Tour, but it's like everyone has the ability to work. Everyone has the ability to be productive. Everyone has the ability to be a part of a community. And so to the extent that you can provide opportunities for people to do that, uh, the world, you know, is going to be a better place. Yeah, yeah, I like how you brought that full circle of the world becoming a better place. And I, I believe that, um, cause like I think about Bryce and, um, what he, yeah, man, let's talk Bryce. Sorry, <laughs> so, um, what he sort of served the, the hospital community for nine years was, uh, you know, he, he delivered mail, uh, there, but really he was just hugging secretaries 
30 secretaries a day, you know? Did, did you happen to see, I, I, I shot you a, a little news special that yeah. on him or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like Channel 9 Hero or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, so all these, all these like women on the daily or whatever, all these people that, these employees at this hospital just look forward to that joy and that connection and that socialization that Bryce would sort of bring. And, and where's my hug, Bryce? You know, it makes me happy to, to receive my hug from you. And um, that that's something that's such an intangible uh, and yet it, it brings people together. Um, and yeah. you know, Bryce doesn't have autism, uh, but having that unique perspective and that kind of unfiltered self um, is inspiring, um, is, you know, makes you feel uh, like your problems maybe in the, in the sort of first world problems as we kind of call them in these millennial-ish days are petty or something like that or whatever it might be. It just puts you in a good mood. And um, I think that, you know, what other kind of, with so much, so much uh, pain and, and other kinds of things going on in life that are, you know, so much negativity that you could dwell on and focus on in life when somebody just shares un un filtered joy and love um how can you not think that that's a service to your community or to your company or whatever it might be yeah man i mean yeah. I, i'm sure the hospital they had him for nine years like i'm sure that you know you get in tough budget meetings at some point you got to think about who we're keeping what's going on and there they saw value in bryce being there and bringing you know in consistently doing his job first and foremost delivering the mail and all that but also in the in in the fact of who he was and how how his his colleagues viewed him and looked for and how he was an asset to the workplace just from a morale and uh and and a team building standpoint in addition to doing his job yeah yeah and and being his brother it's just a constant inspiration you know um I, I, I used to kind of scribble a little bit, uh, write poems, and he was kind of my main muse, you know what I mean? Um, just as I'm sure you've kind of have individuals in your life that are just kind of fuel you and keep you going in your work. Um, right now, uh, I'll be honest, since pandemic has come and back to reality, he's uh, gotten pretty lazy. Uh, we kept him out of the <laughs> hospital, kind of out of safety concerns and stuff. Um, sure. Uh, he's so he's just been eating a lot of peanut M&Ms. <laughs> hey, well, you know, I mean, he's not unlike a lot of people in the world, man. It's been a tough time for a lot of people, right? Yeah. And so I've been drinking a lot of beer myself. So, <laughs> um, uh, so is he um, is he going back? What hospital is he at? So there was one down the street in Lafayette. Um, so if if we're in Boulder here. Uh, I'm trying to think of what he was doing. He was in high school still while you were while you were in Boulder, right? Yeah, he was transitioning, right? So he was there in high school, and then I think he hit a. How old is he? Like thirty? Thirty-five now. I'm thirty-five. Yeah. 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 So that makes sense because, like, I mean, it's been a while. It feels like it's been only ten years since I've been there, but it's really been about fourteen or fifteen. So yeah, yeah so. he was he was right around that twenty-one, twenty-two transition age when I was, you know when I was there leaving or what have you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think there was a couple of like restaurants that he was, uh, Oh yeah. He worked doing at, silverware. Was it gondolier? He worked at the gondolier. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 Place. Which, cause I helped him get that. Cause I worked at the gondolier for many, many years. That's um, right. Okay. That's and, right. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we helped him. You know, I worked with Joe and, uh, and uh, you know, he got that job for a long time. Um, but I also remember, man, and a lot of families deal with this, like that transition from high school, you know, when you have a intellectual dis- developmental disability or whatever, you could go to high school till you're 21, 22. Mm-hmm. And then it's a cliff, man. It's like, because you, oh, yeah. you have all this built-in supports, you have all these, whether it's internships, jobs, whatever, you have a social circle at school, and then, boom, you hit 22, 20, whatever it is, and it's like nothing, you know? I remember talking to your dad about that, because Bryce was really struggling at that time, because he had landed the, the hospital gig yet or whatever, you know? Oh, yeah, um, and and that's, like you just said, like families are, are um, so much as can be sort of pinned on uh, parents, where there's not really a, the similar, like the, the goal of a, a, a typical parent's, you know, goal to, to raise their kids or whatever, maybe set them up for college or set them up to be independent, right? Yeah. But our population that we're deserving is is as much independence as possible, but that might not be possible. Um, and so my dad had to obviously take on just, um, or he, at least he chose to, you can, you can kind of outsource those types of services. There's a lot of agencies, there's a lot of, kind of stuff but um at the time i think he preferred to to take ownership of rice's um well-being in that sort of way um yeah uh and so and so luckily enough you know they had the connection with you and like from gondolier like this that, and the other thing um i think my dad definitely struggled to try to find people that Bryce could be connected with that were outside of like a sky's the limit community or at least outside of a special needs community too. Uh, yeah. Because in high school, you're right. It's just like built in, you know, there's you, Bryce would walk the halls and just, you know, rock star, popular rock star. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then you kind of exit and then it's like, okay, now somebody else needs to facilitate those relationships. Uh, so my dad took that on. Very fortunately, eventually, uh, I don't know, he, he, I think there might have been some woman who was working in a transitions program of some kind, and she was trying to get people over at the at this hospital because they had a volunteer department that had maybe somebody else with special needs that, was, that came in and was kind of like a Walmart greeter type of service that they were providing. Because um, hospitals employ and put people to volunteer work all the time. They welcome, welcome people like that all the time. And uh, I think my dad set up kind of a visual, like kind of map and, and some different things to cue Bryce on how to do the mail route. And he set it up where he could just kind of shadow him and, and then Bryce could kind of pretty independently do it. And then my dad started like, like this garnered so much of their time that I think once we got a few other sort of services, uh, like kind of respite cares and, um, I don't remember, like they called it PASA something or another at some point, but now it's, now it's a peer provide job. I don't know what, what the service was called for a little while, but now we have this other thing called Karuna care and all these different things that are, um, uh, care provider services. And, uh, and so someone, someone outside of the family can go in and then be that, be that Joe figure and, and shadow and support. Yeah. Um, and everything, and that was really rocking pretty good for a while, uh, until, um, or actually, so Joe had passed away. He died uh, in 2017. I guess he was still rocking it himself for a while, uh, but then after he died, um, myself and my mom took all that kind of over for Bryce, 
and then our our lives just circled around just just really gravitated around him um and uh try to fill the void that my dad left which was which was pretty pretty big you know yeah um, and uh eventually though we got really lucky and got um hooked up with uh so in colorado they had a had it's over a 10-year waiting list to get um home care family care uh provider services um from a agency that provides funding support resources all that kind of stuff uh and so we had to we had to like we were actually on for 18 years i guess bryce was 18 and he was turning no not 18 uh, 14 years um yeah. 18, he was 18 when we guys were allowed to enter it um and then we had been on until he was about 32 and oh, finally man. got off of it just so happenstance a few months after joe died and we were both my mom and i were kind of struggling to do all this stuff with bryce um and then and then we just got all this like resources just kind of i remember one time we had a room or we had a meeting with um a counselor a job coach a like case manager uh another like someone from the karuna care services just bryce myself and my mom all in this room just for bryce and i was like yeah guy has lucked out now yeah Um, yeah and since then he was he was pretty he was on a pretty good independent ride um for about two or three about two solid years um and then pandemic has kind of hit and yeah, yeah. just kind of we've all just kind of sh- shrunk kind of back into my house here i was i was living in boulder i did some things i was kind of moving around i kind of did some traveling and so i didn't have to be involved too much but now with, with the pandemic i came back home and yeah. my mom and bryce out um yeah yeah you know what i got a little uh here if you want to take it speaking of trip down memory lane uh, little yeah, pictures of Joe to show. This was uh, that's just Sam. Sam. Yeah, absolutely. That's from the Channel Seven thing. Yeah, that's, guys, that's the yeah, that's the Channel Seven thing right there. Oh yeah, I see that. I remember that was from the Nuggets. Uh, doing the who put the Nuggets in the middle there? Yeah. Well, yeah. So Carmelo, I got a video. I'll have to. Um, there's a video on Facebook of Carmelo Anthony making Bryce do push-ups for missing a shot. That's so funny. That is yeah. so funny. So yeah, he, uh, you know, we were at this Nuggets clinic or whatever, but yeah. I'll, I'll try to circle. So my buddy has it. It's, it's It keeps like popping up. Every once in a while I see it on Facebook is like, you know, memories pop up or whatever. Oh really? So <laughs> so yeah, I'll, next time I, I, I'll find it for you. But yeah, it's, it's uh, that would be Bryce. Cool. Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, no, yeah, that's, yeah, I'd love, I, all I was gonna say was, uh, uh, that reminds me another time we set up a CU basketball thing for, um, I don't know if it's an expand special Olympics group or something, but Bryce showed up and there was a player named Bryce, uh, but he had a big Afro and super muscular, like all this kind of stuff, like total jock dude. And, uh, but Bryce had like passed the ball to Bryce, Bryce, my brother. And like, he's yeah. got a score. He got made the bucket. And I, I think I recorded it or something like that. It was like Bryce assisted Bryce or something like that. Um, Love it. Cool. Love yeah. it. Nice. I, I want to see that footage of Carmelo though. I feel like I've seen a picture. I've seen a picture of him next to Carmelo. I didn't know he made him do push-ups though. <laughs> yeah. No. I, yeah. I was all. Yeah. I'll have to. Um. I'll have to track it down. But yeah, Brad. This other kid, Buzzy, uh, who oh, was I like a. I remember a Buzzy. Yeah. 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 It was a whole crew of kids, kind of the original Skies crew. Yeah. Uh, Buzzy had to drop and do the push-ups. Uh, 
Yeah, it's just fun. The Nuggets were good back then. I mean, I, I think they still do it, to be honest with you. I don't remember. It was, a, it was originally a Kiki Vandaway project. If you remember oh, yeah. that name? That yeah. name rings a bell. Yeah, when one. Kiki, uh, when he took over as the GM of the Nuggets, like a, I don't know if it was the second time around or whatever, probably in 2000 or whenever it was, I don't know. He would, he made it a point to do a whole Special Olympics thing every year. So yeah, we, well, that's we, we cool. went down. Yeah, we yeah. went down there a couple different years in a row. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's awesome just to see those connections uh, like to really happen. And I'm sure you see that really often over in Boston. Um, but yeah, I'm so grateful that Bryce has had those things that you started this whole thing too. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to take up too much more of your time here. Um, uh, maybe the last few minutes here. Uh, anything else you want to add? If, the, uh, if there was maybe like kind of one message to sort of button up and, and share uh, if you had the platform to to do so, uh, do you think you got kind of what you would, will you succinctly sort of share about um, how to support people with special needs or what they bring to your life or what they can do for the world? Yeah, no, I mean, I would just say, yeah, I don't know if I could be succinct. It's not my answer. Uh, but, <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I would just say, you know, it takes one person to be generous with their time and their effort. You know, I would say, so, you know, if you, you know, whether you can volunteer, you know, you got to put a little effort out to, to include and to be inclusive of people with uh, differences and disabilities in your community, right? So just always be on the lookout. Uh, if you're an employer, you know, these people aren't going to, aren't going to, aren't going to go through your interview process, which is designed for 90% of the population to determine the best candidates. You gotta go a little around the box there. If you really wanna be inclusive, you got you gotta make accommodations. If you're just a person, uh, if you're a kid who wants to do some volunteer work, volunteer at your school's, you know, best buddies check or whatever it is, you know? Uh, if you're an adult, um, you know, you just gotta put out a little bit of extra effort and what you'll find is that you'll, uh, you know, opening a door for somebody who has had doors closed on them their whole life, mm. uh, open, you know, that opens the door for yourself too, to actually feel some, uh, some achievements, some accomplishments, some happiness, and it'll go a long way. Well said, man. Um, man, well, I just appreciate generally connecting with you. Um, such a weird time. Uh, yeah, no, I appreciate you having me on, man. So we'll see. We'll see what I come up with. and Yeah. What you like no, whatever it is. What, what we, we went kind of long, too, huh? Yeah. Well, we went about an hour. That's good. Yeah. Dude, I got this. Hold on. So oh, I, I kept I kept all these, like, old shirts and junk for so many years. Yeah. That my wife was finally like, dude, like, what are you doing? So she had it. She, she shipped them all to some woman who made them into a blanket, right? But yeah. a lot of it's sky's the limit stuff. So, like, this was one of our T-shirts. So we did this thing with this this frat called build America. They used to go around the country and build like wheelchair accessibility. They did a thing with us. This is the original sky's the limit t-shirt. What? Yeah. It was designed by this kid, Nikki smooth, Nikki Baker. He's in one of those pictures. Yeah. You know what I Uh, love is, uh, how we have the apostrophe Z. (laughs) Yeah. Definitely. I love that. I love that. Z. Cause you know, it's interesting when I was making the new website stuff, um, I kept trying to put, uh, for some sort of handle or something or another on a Gmail, I don't know what it was, but I would try to put SKY just Z and it like yeah. kept saying that it was like erroneous somehow. 
And then I put an apostrophe Z and it like allowed it. It was so yeah. What I don't even remember what it possibly was, but it was so. Yeah, we well, we wanted a Z at first, but then we changed our website to an S. I, there was some goofiness too it, that I remember yeah. way back in the day. But yeah. um, it's like, but yeah, I always wanted. We always wanted the Z. So hold on, I got a couple more. So we got yeah. those. We got that shirt. This was like a, the, the the slogan on the back of our shirt. Nothing is okay. out of reach if you reach a little high. Yeah. Um, this was on the back of the original shirt coming to event here. I was a big yeah. Camby fan because he's a UMass guy. Okay. Hold on, couple more. Before we were Skies, our basketball team was just Fairview Special Olympics. Yeah. So yeah. that's that. Let me see if I got any more. That's so cool. You said your wife put that together? Yeah, well, she just sent it. Yeah, she there's like she found someone online who like makes, um, what do you call this? Like a quilt out of like old t-shirts or whatever. That's so yeah. cool. Okay. So it's like got all I'm trying to think. Oh yeah, this was the Nuggets basketball clinic. Wait, hold on. I don't know. What's that's that say? So 2003 cool, or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, See what there's any other ones. Looking at that's pretty much it. This was well, a, this was a, yeah. This was another one of the original T-shirts. Sky's yeah. the limit. Nice. Anyways, that's it. You know, you know the other thing I was gonna say about uh, my dad too, and, and continuing his legacy and everything. Uh, and the other the other thing I was gonna say too is my dad's kind of vision that that he never fulfilled. Um, was he loved video work. I don't know if you ever connected with him. Yeah, no, I knew that. I knew that. That was his he, That was his profession for a while, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, one of his things is he always wanted to put together kind of a documentary or something like that. I think it was his grand sort of vision. Um, but that was, this is kind of before YouTube, before podcasting. Yeah. And so part of the reason I think I'm trying to do this like story sharing um, and, and interviewing or, or you know, commentating or whatever it is I'm kind of like doing here is part of his vision of, of doing that, of doing story sharing, doing storytelling that he never really got to, got to do with Sky's the Limit. And he always had these little plans about how to do yeah. it. And he would get these weird cheap cameras and be like, I'm going to test something there and then I'll get a more professional thing later or something like that um, for about the 10 years after you and between when he died or whatever. Um, yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm kind of seeing this opportunity to be able to kind of, Try to uh, still let him sort of direct Sky's yeah, Limit in a way. You know? Yeah, that's awesome, man. Love yeah. it. So if you have cool. any other ideas or anything else too to throw throw my way, I like this idea of like a little a little memory lane of all the things of uh, of Sky's uh, different events. Uh, there's yeah, a, yeah, at some point, you know, whenever. Then, well, that's so that Build America team show. So their national pro project was this thing called. Oh gosh, they had a thing called Push America where these yeah. guys biked across the country every summer. We used to throw a big party for them when they yeah. made it through Boulder on the right in front of the Boulder Public Library on that common there. And then they then they did this thing called Build America where they like went around the country building like wheelchair accessibility and all this ramps and stuff like that for different organizations, like Easter Seals and stuff. So anyways, yeah, they were they were a big part of it back in the day for sure. Pi Kappa Phi. Yeah. I'm still friends with a few of the guys on Facebook from like way long ago. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, I think I remember being just a total teenager kid. Being like, what's this cool barbecue thing happening? All these guys on bikes. Are yeah, bikes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, man. Yeah, we did some fun stuff. Um, we went. Oh, dude, I remember one. Sorry, last one. I gotta yeah. go. You gotta go. Yeah, no, man. Uh, I knew this. I knew this girl who um, her husband was a 
he owned a drag car, like drag racing, you know, <laughs> which is down. There's some speedway. There's some speedway yeah, down there. Gosh, I can't. A, 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 a toward Golden, maybe between Boulder and Golden. Is that what yeah. you're thinking of? Yeah. 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 It's, it kind of reminds me of Red Rocks and where it is, yeah. but like it's toward, not. Yeah. It's like toward it, Morrison, it yeah. might be a little further south. Yeah. Morrison. No, no, no. Red Rocks is a Morrison. Yeah. Some, yeah. It's this like drag racing speedway. So, anyways. You know, we were always just doing shit, like going, like just taking the group, like places like that. So anyway, so she's like, okay, my husband's like a, a uh, you know, he owns a car. He's like, so, you know, a, a drag racing car. He's like, so she's like, so I'll hook you up. So anyway, she got us this whole like VIP experience. We went there, 20 of us, Bryce was there, a bunch of the kids. And, um, you know, we had this like catered dinner in the whole VIP area beforehand or whatever. And then we had special like seats, like right by the start line, you know? Oh God, those entrance was so loud. <laughs> well, that's the thing. None of us even knew. You know, they gave us the earplugs or whatever, but like none of us were prepared for like what it was and how loud it was. It was awesome. We had a great experience. But anyways, I remember the first car came out and it had like a jet engine. So that thing freaking revved like so loud. Oh, and like, I, I legit, I remember, I remember Bryce just literally like stood up out of his seat. He was in like an aisle seat. And just freaking ran like the other way. <laughs> he was just like, oh my God. like floored, you know. Yeah. Um, anyways, it's just one of the. We had a blast there once we realized what we were up against and like put yeah. on some like super duper earphones or whatever. But anyways, that's uh, just a funny story. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. You know, what's funny is uh, Bryce does not like those kind of low rumbling noises. Whenever we we come up and we stop in front of a train. It's so funny. If we were stopped in front of a train, um, uh, like in the car, right? If you're just in a car and he's got a seatbelt, he does this weird thing where he'll like, like put his seatbelt on and just try to hide as far away into the seat as possible to get away from the train noise. Like as though it's gonna like upset him like terribly. So I can't imagine, I didn't even know he did that. Um, I can't imagine him at a a jet engine, it's powered drag racing car. Oh my gosh. It was wild, man. It was wild. Just one of the random, random things we were doing. But yeah, it's funny. Yeah. But no, thanks for inviting me. And yeah, let me know. Um, you know, send it over and we'll stay in touch for sure. Yeah, dude. Hey, take care. Tell your mom I said hello. Tell Bryce I said hello. Yeah, we'll do, dude.